I'm Allison Van Hooser, and I'm on a sold-out mission to develop highly successful leaders at all levels. In the 15 years I've been working throughout the food, financial, retail industries, and politics, I've become deeply aware of the powerful effects of leadership. In each episode, you will get strategies and actions you can use immediately in order to change you, your team, and your business. The question is, will you choose to own it? Will you put your stake in the ground and decide to do something with what you've learned today? This is Stake, the Leadership Podcast. I could not be more excited for the guest on this episode. Jeff McDaniels is the president and CEO of Farmers Bank and Trust in Princeton, Kentucky, my hometown. If you've heard me speak at a conference or in a leadership training session recently, then you probably heard me tell countless stories. Funny stories, encouraging stories, sometimes powerful stories, all centered around how I developed as a person and as a professional under Jeff's leadership. Today, he's joining me on the podcast to talk about leading a multi-generation workforce and doing it the right way. You're going to hear all kinds of little nuggets that you as a leader can take away that are going to help you become a better leader of your own multi-generation workforce. We're going to talk about non-traditional things leaders should be looking for when it comes to hiring and promoting employees. Then we're going to discuss how millennials and Generation Z want to be engaged in the workplace. All of these strategies, only if you choose to take action and implement them, all of these will transform your leadership and the results in your business, especially in the 21st century workforce. Without further ado, my friend and current president and CEO of Farmers Bank and Trust, Jeff McDaniels. First of all, I'm honored to talk about some of the things that I've experienced directly with you and with some others over the last few years. I'm sort of in that middle age career-wise now. Uh, I'm 50, uh, and I think one of the things that's probably impacted me the most is that if you're pretty good at identifying uh, driven people who have what I call the, the big picture or the team concept of what we're trying to work towards. If you're pretty good at identifying those people, uh, I think then the training part and giving them the opportunities can, can sort of take care of itself in some ways. Let's talk uh, about that for a second. So you said identifying people. When Jeff and I first met, it was because I was buying a house. And so it just so happened that he was the person I walked in here and had to deal with on the day I came in to apply for a home loan. Jeff knew a tiny piece of my background and over the years, I'll let him tell the stories, but over the years there's been a common factor that has proven to be a determination of whether or not someone is going to be successful. And so when it comes to identifying high caliber leaders, I just did a podcast on that the other day. I want you to talk about from your perspective, what's the one thing that you have seen success with? You know, going back to that example, if I remember correctly, we were shorthanded at the time, yes. and from the mortgage loan side, we had just lost an employee, and I was filling in. I was the president of the bank at the time, but I wanted to make sure that we won out from that deal, so I jumped in there. But, you know, when it comes down to that one thing, that drive and identifying, you know, those future leaders, I think there's some things that I look for, uh, and that I think our team here at our bank looks for. It's those that, like I said earlier from that team concept, you and I talked about before this, that there's some examples in my career where I've been able to identify some, some folks that maybe didn't start uh, with the same advantages or even a level playing field that some others have. 
and you're self-included in that and, and not getting into the background, but you, but you understand what I'm talking about there. And But having seen the success and having seen how those people didn't take no for answers, uh, I've got three examples of that in my career that I, that I could talk about all of them in detail and I want. Uh, well, unless you ask me to, and I might. <laughs> but uh, they wouldn't take no as an answer, but they did that in the right way. And when going through that process of seeing that drive, that was just something that made me step back as the person making the decision on taking a chance on somebody that, hey, you know, this, this is worth, this is worth taking this chance. They might not have the same resume as uh, the traditional things that sometimes employers look for, but I can tell they want it. I can tell that they've had to work hard to get where they are. And, the, and just putting those com, the combination of those two things together may, when those situations present themselves, I think you almost have to take that chance. Hiring and training, it's a risk. I mean, no one's, no one's perfect at it. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that you, you have to be pretty disciplined in, but you also have to accept the fact that you're not going to bat a thousand. You're going to, you're, well, and you're another example of that. Very proud of your success and what you're doing. Uh, we obviously took a chance on you back in, back in the day. Uh, after that, after that mortgage loan application, we ended up winning on that. You started working for us probably within less than a month. I less mean, than a you month after. You a job right before we closed the loan, so, so yeah, it was fast. So it, so it was so, so pretty fast from that aspect. But you know, you know, going back to that, I think is I think you have to accept that you're going to have you're you're going if you go and do the right job and train, you can't always have that next step opportunity. You want to, you always want to try with your organization to have those next step opportunities. But there's always the risk that if you're doing it well enough, if you're tra- if you're bringing in enough talented people and you're training them well enough, you you might not can keep those opportunities at the same number of, of, of the number of people that you're, you're doing that with. And they, they go off and do, do other great things in their lives. And yeah, so you, get invited, to, you get invited to do a podcast seven yes, years later. So just to be real clear on what Jeff is saying, Jeff hired me. He developed me. I worked for him for five years. And things were going great, but then I left him. So a lot of you all have retention issues and you're thinking, oh, well, what's the point here? What Jeff is trying to, what Jeff is saying is that, you know, you may lose some, but you're also going to keep some. And Jeff has really great people on his team that he's been able to hold on to because he's treated them the same way he's treated me. He's given me opportunities to learn and grow and we'll get into that. But to just sort of hit home on something you all can take away when you're interviewing your employees, you all know the statistics about millennials and younger generations, but while there, while the statistics can be helpful, I always say there's power in the story of an employee. And Jeff had the advantage that whenever I walked in the door, I didn't spill my guts and tell him my life story. We live in a small town, so he sort of knew my story. So I would encourage you, something you can take away today is adding into your interview process something that's going to get to the heart of where did they come from? What have they had to overcome? Those kinds of things because those stories are going to tell you more about the grit of a person or the dedication of a person than any of the statistics or any of the um, surface level questions that are typically asked in an interview. Let's shift gears for a second. One of the things Jeff does very well Uh, that I recently talked about in a presentation with McDonald's was talking about millennials and Generation Z. We want access to the top 
fast. And I always say we can get on Twitter and tweet the President of the United States. So why in the world would we come into work and think that there should be any distance between us and the President or the CEO of the company? That doesn't add up for us. So if you're not, if leaders aren't giving their employees access to the top, access to information, that's going to start creating a separation. You're going to start losing engagement. But Jeff, from the moment I came in the door, his door was open. He was looking for ways. I don't know if he was looking for ways. I'll let Jeff say that. But he gave me opportunities to learn things that were even outside of my job description to prepare me for further down the road, personally and professionally. And I, I believe to my core that when you give millennials and Generation Z, when you develop them, when you give them opportunities to learn, that they're going to be more, they're going to go all in with you. They're going to be more dedicated to your mission, your purpose as a leader. So, Jeff, do you want to talk a little bit about why you do that, why you trust millennials enough to open the doors to them and um, what your thought process behind giving them more information is, whereas a lot of leaders want to just hold on to everything and not share? Uh, yeah, I can touch on that. You know, I, I don't, I think the difference between the generations is, is probably how you go about your approach. But in terms of the, the general uh, justifications for for I think where my beliefs come from. They're not, they're not really generational based. Uh, my mentors, uh, I, was, I was given opportunities young in my banking career. And you know, I think I did some things that, I, I think I, I joined teams and I, I think I worked hard. I think by doing that and, and being a good team player and catching the attention of some at, at a younger age, I then was able to be given the opportunity to, to do some things at a relatively young age. I was, I was uh, president of the bank around 35, uh, had been a credit officer at a small bank before that. Uh, and, you know, those opportunities, I, I, my mentors, a, a gentleman by the name of Ted Hudson, uh, I credit, you know, he took some chances on me uh, at what you're talking about. And I'm, and I'm not a millennial. So, you know, when I go back and I look at that, uh, so I think I've really carried that forward. And now you, you mentioned the millennials and, and the, and the, what's the next generation? What's the what, what? generation Z? Z. Uh, I think, I think the only difference is now. And, and when I was doing this is some of the approaches and the expectations. And I, I think what you said is, is right. You know, uh, the, the desire to get there faster is, is higher now than Absolutely, I think it, I think yes. it was at my age. But I think having gone through a little bit of that, that myself, it gives me some understanding of why that is what it is. That in itself, of having got, gotten to live that myself at a, at a relatively young age, I think it's one of the reasons that I've seen the value in not, in not overvaluing some of maybe the traditional things that have been overvalued, like someone's been on the job 25 years, therefore they deserve this opportunity. They might. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to push that down. Right. And I can remember even when I was younger. You know, it's the difference between a you know a meritocracy versus uh, the tenure concept in terms of well, you know, and and, and ne I never believed in that. I just have to admit, I I, I never. I, I thought I didn't think age experience is a really really important thing. It, it is. But I also think it needs to be weighed against some of those things when it comes to what we've talked about earlier, that drive, that willingness that you know someone's going to give you the best effort they can. You know that they're going to be, they, they're buying into the team concept of what you're trying to accomplish as a group. I totally agree with you, and I saw that working under you. I think the biggest takeaway for me there is that you're valuing people individually, not necessarily based on 
their professional experience or uh, what their resume say, what positions they've held, um, or even valuing someone necessarily just because they are a young person. You're taking time to get to know people and what they specifically can bring to the table. And I would say something that's true for you and that has helped the culture under your leadership be so good for the younger generations is that you value people, which means you also take time to listen to people, even millennials, even now Generation Z. I mean, when I think about your own employees, when I think about my time there, your door was always open. Our HR director here, she, she is always training me on how what I grew up believing might not be as... Uh, accepted with 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 the younger folks that we approach and, and consider adding to our team and then even once they're here she's always trying <laughs> always saying hey you need to uh, you need to look at this a little different but so, I want to point this out about that there are probably a lot of people who are in Tiffany's position who are trying to talk to the people above them and say hey did you know there may be a disconnect here but the leaders at the top aren't listening they aren't listening for uh, multiple reasons, but they aren't listening. You listen. When I think about my time here and I think about the high performers that were here when I was here, and I was here when Tiffany first started, that created a culture of these high-performing millennials who felt heard. And when you felt heard, you feel valued. And for everyone, regardless of your generation, you want to feel valued. And when you feel like you're in a place where you're valued, you can get over little things that may not go your way or things that you don't like because you're all, you go all in still because you feel like a valuable part of the team. The, for the leaders that are listening, I want you to hear closely that you've got a CEO that when people are telling him, giving him feedback of, hey, there might be a disconnect, you could be wrong here. Jeff isn't shutting the door and saying, get out. He's stopping and he's listening and he's considering what they have to say. I invite the input. Mm -hmm. One of the things I wish I was better at is encouraging more of our team to be comfortable in providing that input. That's not mm -hmm. something that I've been as successful with as I was like. You are the exception to that. And, and there are some others that have been the exception to that that sort of figured me out that, no, he wants he wants to hear what I have to say. Uh, that's not something I need to be afraid of doing. Uh, if you're looking for the secret to connect, that's pretty much it. Be willing to come and sit down and have this kind of conversation. We kid around here. I, I'll kid with some of the younger ones. Well, you, you millennials, y'all yes. just I, I, <laughs> what, I, what I what I call you the tro the trophy the trophy the yes. trophy generation. Ugh. Um, yes. And you know, I think there's some truth to that. But anytime you throw a blanket over over something and say well this is just how it is because of this that's probably where the closed-mindedness might well might prevent somebody from right. from looking at the big picture and taking yes. a step back but going back to when those that took chances on me and gave me opportunities uh, I think that had a strong impact on me and I think the thing that was great about my learning opportunity and some of those things I've tried to to bring to my own leadership style is that it's okay to disagree. Absolutely. It's yes. okay to have a different opinion. And it's okay to take a step back and realize that whether you're the trophy generation or, 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 <laughs> right. or my generation or, or those that came before me, that they react differently to things, 
but in a general sense, they at the end of the day, those things add up to their value system and it's what's important to them. That is such a great point. People do operate off of their personal values, what's important to them. I mean, think about it. You listen to your millennial and Gen Z employees. Well, you listen to all of your employees, but you do that because as you, was, as you were working your way up professionally, other people listen to you. And by listening to you, that meant that they valued you. And that meant something to you personally. It's meant something in your career. It's exposed you to different things and helped shape you to get you to where you are today. So I just want to make another point, a little bit of a spinoff off of that, because I know I've got some young professionals out there listening to this, people who are in college, people who are just entering the workforce. If you've got a leader who values you, man, you be, you better put in the work. You better make sure that you're doing whatever it takes to give them that value right back, to get your work done at a high level that's worthy of them giving you a seat at the table, that's worthy of them listening to you. I agree. Uh, you know, I think going back to the, to the main things we've talked about, you know, when, when you call me about doing this podcast, you heard some of the questions I ask. I, mm-hmm. You know, and really, this is off the cuff. It totally is. From, from, from both you and I in terms of how we're going about this and and trying to look back and, and, and some of the things that are, were important and those kind of things. And, you know, also, my short-term memory in terms of the things that are recently on my mind. I, I was quoting Chris, Chris Rock earlier, and I made it. Yes, I, Jeff listens I made it, to Chris Rock. Well, Put that on the record. I, I, made that, I made that comment about we were kidding around that, you know, you shouldn't get something extra for the things you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And But I think, I think conceptually that can be applied to this conversation. And the, to those of you out there listening, listen, if, 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 you're, if, if you have some built-in advantages or you're starting with a level playing field, and you see opportunities in front of you, hey, if you make a great effort, the chances of your success are, are pretty high. If you happen to be among that group that, that doesn't have some of those same opportunities, don't, don't view that view that as an opportunity. View that in, in contrast that you have to overcome. But if you're able to overcome some of those challenges, those, those obstacles then become assets. And what I mean by that yes. is people get to see that, yeah, I didn't start. I didn't start from, from maybe where some others were fortunate enough to start. But I, I made it regardless. And I think I can be a good, I think I can be a, a, a good contributor to your team because I, I know what it takes to get to these things. And and so, going, I guess trying to paraphrase what Chris Rock said, turn that around and say, yes. hey, if you're someone that, you know, the things you're supposed, don't accept your circumstances in terms of where that's going to lead you and what you think you can accomplish. Accomplish more. Do the extra things and you, then use those extra efforts that you do to, to your own benefit and, and your own, what we'll call your own human resource toolbox where you can come in there and, and people can see that you've been able to achieve. Now, it probably is easier in small towns because we know each other and we know some we know some of the things about more, maybe some more things about where people come from and, and some of those obstacles. But like you said earlier, if those are the kind of, let, let people tell their stories. And I think the ones who are sincere and are telling and then they're telling that story the right way. And if you're from a big town, I say don't make excuses, make a way. So, yeah, that was easy for us. But just because it's not easy for someone else doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. So find a way to get to know the people before you hire them so you can hire the right ones. 
find a way to identify to get to know the stories of your internal employees so you know who to develop and promote well you know I coach mm-hmm. and that's one of the that's one of the things that I that I enjoy to do outside of the outside of the bank and I, and, I, and I coach various sports but primarily basketball and I can tell you that looking back at the kids over the years you have kids that have more talent than other kids mm-hmm. you just do and then sometimes you get and sometimes those kids get by easier because they have talent they don't put in the same amount of effort than some other kids that do. I can tell you which ones are the favorite ones to coach. No, well, the favorite ones for the coach are those that have a lot of talent and put in that extra effort. Yeah. Now, those are those are ever coaches coaches dream. But when you get down to this, if you if you've got someone that has talent that's sort of coasting along on that talent, or you have someone that might not have that same level of skills, but are willing to put in the work, and you're trying to build a team, you know, I think I think. I think you got to look at both cases, and I'm not sure in the long run when it comes to what the team you're trying to build. I'm not sure that the ones who, with the that I have overcome, are not the ones that might make pretty solid team members. I'm gonna have to put this in the notes of the podcast, but there's a book called I believe it's called Grit, and she gives this equation, and she says um, talent or no skills plus effort equals achievement, but effort counts twice. Yes. And I totally, you just said that, I totally agree with that. Let's wrap things up for today. I want to give you all action items that you can do from the moment you turn this podcast off. When it comes to identifying employees you want to bring into your company or identify employees you want to promote, get to know their story. And then finally, when it comes to engaging millennials, be open to what they have to say and also give them opportunities to learn. So what is something you can do? What information can you share with your millennial employees today that would give them a deeper insight into understanding the why behind what they do? Thank you so much for tuning in today. For the links to everything mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes. And if you'd like more practical, tactical leadership development content, go to www.vanhooser.com for my weekly blog and all the links to my social media channels. If it makes sense to start improving the leadership skills of your managers and supervisors, let's talk about training options for your team. Email me at allison at vanhooser.com.